Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. My name is Em, and I want to talk about books. And cats. Hey, book lovers, welcome back. I hope you have had an excellent week full of books and furry friends to snuggle with. There's been a lot of snuggling around here lately because we got more snow finally. Winter's basically over, and this will probably be the last storm of the season. So I'm enjoying it. It's perfect weather for snuggling up by the pellet stove and reading, usually with at least one cat on me. I was reorganizing my desk the other day, and I found an unopened Book of the Month box and, like, a big one. I think it was the newest one, but still, not opened yet. I was super psyched, and it was kind of like Christmas. And I was super excited by the two books that were in there. I'd forgotten I ordered them, and they're both ones that I really, really want to read. So, pretty psyched. And then even more psyched because I forgot that I ordered a candle, too. It's called A New Chapter. And it supposedly smells like freshly printed pages and unlimited possibilities. Or, you know, amber and vanilla. (laughs) It smells great, anyway. And I love the idea of unlimited possibilities. And I love candles. (laughs) So, some exciting podcast news. Storytime with M is returning for season three, finally. (laughs) This time I am sharing one of my older books. It's called The Last Witch. And I'll be sharing it a chapter a week starting this Sunday, March 19th. I'm super excited to share this with you all, and who knows, maybe I'll actually write some more of this series. Now let's talk about this week's book. This was a last-minute choice. I had started to read another book at first, but sometimes a book just doesn't work for me, like, immediately. And that was one of them. I kept picking it up and trying to continue, but I just couldn't get into it. The writing didn't flow, the main character was just awful, just couldn't get behind it. I don't want to review the books that I don't enjoy, especially because I've started not finishing books that I don't enjoy because life is too short and there are way too many books that I want to read that are good. So I like to stick with things that I enjoy, plus I want to recommend things to you guys that are worthwhile. Let's just say that book didn't work for me. So now, because I'm a procrastinator... (laughs) I was in need of a new plan and a new book, and I had very little time. I went for an audiobook so that I could multitask, you know, take the dog for a walk, clean the house, while also reading. I love audiobooks. And this was a very good choice. This week I want to talk about The Game You Played by Annie Taylor. So like I said, this was an audiobook. It was one of those only for audible books. So if you're going to listen to it, and I highly recommend you do, you'll have to go to Audible for it. I got this because this author also had another book that was an Audible only. I covered it in season two. It's called Stranger in the Woods, and it was so, so good. Like, one of the ones that really made an impact on me. I really enjoy the way that Annie Taylor writes, and the game you played was also excellent. It also helps that the narrator's pretty great, 
There were a couple moments where the voices were a little much, but it wasn't any of the main characters. She read almost everything just fantastically. I think it's more that it's just hard to do the voice of, like, a little, little kid, like a toddler. She did a good job with that, too. Just kind of a tough one, you know? (laughs) So I will say that I started this one once before, and I had to stop it because it was not a good time for me to be listening to it. This book starts with a toddler disappearing at a playground, and it is just so, so upsetting. (laughs) So I listened to that part, and then I kind of stopped because it was just like too much for me at that time. So when I needed a book, this one I'd already started, so I figured jump back in, we'll get it done. And it ends up being a fantastic book if you can get past, like, the upsetting nature of some of the topics that are covered. Because there's a lot. There's a lot. (laughs) So when I did start listening again, I got completely sucked into the story. It's told from the point of view of the mother and the father, mostly the mother, And the mother has a problem with sleepwalking. So right there, that's all you need. That's going to hook me. I find sleepwalking to be fascinating, terrifying, and I just love an unreliable narrator. That's my favorite kind of book. I like to not know what's going on. (laughs) Annie Taylor is really good at weaving a mystery. With both of her books, I felt like I knew who did it and how things were going to unfold. And then when I went to check, I realized I was only halfway through the book. And then you go like, where is it going from here? You know? And that is so great. It's almost like getting two stories in one, you know? And it also seems to be the point where the stories really take like a turn plot-wise. And it's so masterfully done. She is a really great writer. I'll read anything that she has written, honestly, at this point. (laughs) So let's discuss the story a bit more. There may be some mild spoilers, but I'm going to really try hard to not ruin anything because this one is complex. (laughs) So the story, like I said, is mainly told from the perspective of the mother. Her name is Phoebe, and she has a missing two-year-old boy named Tommy. Like I said, the book opens with his disappearance, but then it shifts to six months later. So Phoebe is a really tough character. She is so broken by grief and desperation, not to mention that she's either not sleeping or she's taking sleeping pills and sleepwalking, and she's barely eating. Like, she's a mess. And then she receives a mysterious letter that is alluding to her son's disappearance, and it kind of brings her back to life. It gives her purpose again. It renews her search for answers She's always been searching, but she kind of felt like everybody else had kind of stopped, you know? So this brings other people back in. The cops are brought back in, and it just gives her something to do. She's been kind of just floating, you know? I will say that this is not a book that is full of likable characters. (laughs) They're all very flawed and kind of terrible. Annie Taylor is so incredibly good at creating doubt in so many of the characters. Both of her books have had quite a few characters, and she has found ways to make almost all of them suspects at some point in the story. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you know that I am normally someone who likes to guess who done it. but with these books, there are just so many questions and so many options that I just kind of sit back and let the story unfold, and it is so relaxing, 
especially with an audiobook, it's so relaxing to just have someone read you a story, even if the story is incredibly intense. And this one definitely is. <laughs> the big, big reveal at the end made me put my hand over my mouth and say, no, while I was driving. My dog looked at me like I was absolutely insane. But it's that good. I expected some things, but she has this way of like taking it to the place that you expect and then just taking it a little bit further. And I love that. <laughs> it's so good. And she writes a good ending, too. The ending to this one was pretty satisfying. Overall, I really, really liked this book. Listening to it actually made me eager to clean the house because it was something I could do with my headphones on. And I actually finished this book in two days. <laughs> I think it's about 13 hours long, too. I listen to things at one and a half speed, so it's a little less than that, but still. <laughs> it was super good. I would highly recommend The Game You Played by Annie Taylor. And like I said before, it's an Audible-only book, so you'll have to get it there. But definitely check her out. Annie Taylor writes a fantastic thriller. So good. So now it's time for a quick break. And when I come back, I've got an update on Smoky Christmas, a new chapter of my weekly writing project, and I'm discussing the movie version of the epic sci-fi novel Ender's Game. Be right back. Welcome back, book lovers. So, quick smoky Christmas update, in case anybody wants to know. He is still acclimating to the house and the other animals, like, super well. We do need to get him neutered, like, ASAP, because we have had the occasional kerfuffle among the cats, but nothing major. It's been really good. And... Oscar the dog and Smokey are starting to actually, like, play and hang out, and it's so cute. I love it. <laughs> Life is pretty good for the frappier pets right now. Let's just say that. So now I want to talk about a movie based on a book. I've been really enjoying watching movies based on books lately, so I'm going to continue to do it. I should probably stop choosing movies of books that mean a lot to me, but, you know, I'm trying to watch them as a separate thing to the book while comparing the two, if that's possible, and try not to get too offended when the movie, you know, fails in certain ways, because it's bound to happen, you know? Today, I am going to talk about the movie version of Ender's Game, which is based on the novel by Orson Scott Card. So Orson Scott Card is a novelist, critic, public speaker, essayist, and columnist. He's a top science fiction writer of the current era, and he's the only one to win both the Hugo and Nebula Awards, which are top U.S. science fiction prizes, and he won them in consecutive years. Can you tell I just took that bio, like, cut and paste? <laughs> anyway, he's an amazing writer. Let's just put it that way. I absolutely adored this book when I read it, and I was at, like, a really good age for it. I was in my teens. I was definitely, like, heavy into genre fiction, like sci-fi, fantasy, horror you know, pretty much the same as now. <laughs> this is one of the books that really inspires my writing. It just came at the perfect time, and I don't know, it just struck a chord with me. This book means a lot to me. <laughs> I also loved it so much that I read the entire series. There's a bunch of these books. They're all fantastic. The series is incredible. I have to admit, honestly, that I prefer the books that feature Bean more than Ender, but the first book is just an absolute classic. 
the best of all of them for sure. Someday I might actually tackle the whole series. I think that would be kind of interesting. I've also thought about doing it for Ursula Le Guin's Earthsea series because that's another one that just absolutely transformed me and my writing because it just, I read it at that impressionable teenage time, you know? And they're just really good books. Really good. I love a good sci-fi series. (laughs) Anyway, let's get back to the movie. So to start out, I had no idea that Harrison Ford was in this movie, but it seems kind of appropriate, doesn't it? He just works in space for some reason. (laughs) There are a bunch of great people in this cast. Harrison Ford, Viola Davis, Ben Kingsley, and they were all just fantastic. Although the wig that they put on Viola Davis is just an insult to her. She's a beautiful woman, and that hair was... It looked like Carol Brady hair. It was really weird. Anyway, (laughs) so there are a bunch of really talented kid actors in this, too. Although, to be fair, this movie came out in 2013, so they are not kids anymore. But the core group, just incredible. Aza Butterfield played Ender, and he was fantastic. Ender's a really complex character. There's a huge emotional journey. There's so much conflict. And he did a really amazing job of portraying all of the struggle. It was fantastic. He has a really good acting range. My favorite character in it by far was Sergeant Dapp, who was played by Nanzo Enozi, who's been in a bunch of stuff, uh, movies and voiceovers. And Sergeant Dapp just kind of served as, like, the protective and supportive adult in Ender's life, though he did it quietly because that wasn't really allowed And he was just kind of funny, too, like a little comedic relief. This movie was so pretty. I love a good sci-fi movie, and the CG in this one was just incredible. The design of the aliens, which are called Formics, and their planet was all very, like, insect-like because the Formics are kind of like ants. And it was just, like, perfect. It was one of the few times when I've watched a movie based on a book where I felt like They were pulling the images out of my brain. It was very cool. (laughs) I really went into this movie with a very negative mindset, but I think I need to stop doing that because this was a great movie. Like I said, I tried to watch it kind of separate from the book. There just wasn't enough detail. I feel like this would have been done better in like a Netflix series. I know they didn't have those then as much. It's not quite enough for a movie series, but it is definitely way too much for a two-hour movie. It lacks the whole depth of the family dynamics, which was an excellent part of the book. Ender doesn't really have to fight to gain respect and friendship as much as he does. And then, you know, finding the balance between the two, like you don't see his journey. And then you don't really get a history of the Formics or like how Ender develops a connection to him. Everything just felt kind of like really abrupt, you know? However, they did hit all the major plot points and I think it makes sense as a movie. I really wonder how it would be to watch this without having read the book. Some of the things just seem kind of abrupt, and there's not a ton of backstory. But I don't know if you need the backstory. I just already know it. (laughs) It's also different watching this and knowing the big, big reveal at the end of the story. It makes it way more emotional, honestly. That was surprising. (laughs) I got really invested in this movie, and it really held my attention. It also managed to name drop a couple more titles from the series, like during the dialogue, and that I thought was pretty funny. I feel like that's a little Easter egg for the people that read the series, so appreciate that. (laughs) Little nerd Easter egg. 
So yeah, this was not as good as the book, but it was definitely still an excellent movie. I would definitely recommend. I watched it on YouTube for under $5, and I would say it was absolutely worth it. It's also PG-13, and it would be a good watch for older kids and teens for like a family night or something, maybe. It's a really exciting action sci-fi movie and just so, so gorgeous. (laughs) All right, so now it's quote time. This week, I went looking for quotes from Orson Scott Card, and there are a ton. (laughs) I chose three, and it's definitely an eclectic group. They're all good, though. So quote number one, as long as you keep getting born, it's all right to die sometimes. Quote two, the lies we live will always be confessed in the stories that we tell. And finally, this is my favorite of the bunch, I don't believe that there are aliens. I believe there are really different people. And now it is time for a new chapter of my weekly writing project. I decided to go back to the original working title. The way the story is developing, it makes more sense, and it's also not a Billie Eilish song, so seemed like a good idea. So now book two of my Verdant Valley series is back to being called Secret Keeper, and this week is chapter 20. Enjoy. Deep beneath the surface lay an underground palace, complex networks of tunnels connected to the world above, and each was heavily guarded by creatures of horror and malice that were trained to kill first and ask for permission later. They were bloodthirsty and starved, and their queen had granted them permission to feast upon anything they killed, except for the ones on the list. In a room carved into the rough stone and draped with black velvet, Francie sat staring into a bright crackling fire. She was eternally patient, but even she was beginning to grow weary of the waiting. The next phase was coming. It was so close now. She had been waiting for decades upon decades, laying low and biding her time, letting her sisters wreak havoc throughout the valley and the lands beyond. She waited and watched as the magic drained from the valley and then the surrounding lands. She marveled at her mother's ingenuity and her performance. Mina had everyone convinced even Francie, that she was a complete imbecile. Little did anyone know just how much her mother knew, how much she read. Francie had often lamented the waste of the ancient library in her childhood home. The mansion was sparsely decorated, but the library felt like another world. The room was filled floor to ceiling with dark wood shelves that were crammed with dusty old books. She had no idea that Mina had already read them all. She had not only read them, but committed them to memory. If magical knowledge was the only thing required, Mina would have been the most powerful witch of her time. But she was limited, magically. Her powers were just not strong enough to put the collected knowledge into practice. Francie felt for her vain, delusional mother. She was so easily led despite her vast education. Mina often let her emotions get in the way of her brain. She'd been no match for her sister's indomitable wills, nor Manx's attention and charm. She believed so deeply in her own magnificence, but she was never meant to be a featured role. She was a sacrifice, and she'd chosen to put herself there. The long, quiet years had hardened what little there was of Francie's heart. She had a soft spot for her clueless mother, but she also had no intention of becoming anything like her. This was her time. Francie was ready, and the moment was almost here. She just needed to be patient for a little bit longer. The heavy stone door ground open slowly, and Francie jumped to her feet. 
She turned and prepared to face her visitor. It took Marina a moment to recognize her, and another moment still to process who she was. Then her face went through a series of emotions. Confusion, recognition, astonishment, a hint of joy, and then trepidation contorted her age-wrecked face. Her cousin looked terrible. One benefit of wasting her life below ground was she had avoided decades of sun damage. Vanity ran in their family, and Francie was not immune. She felt a twinge of satisfying superiority when she compared the creases of their similar features. She smiled and stepped closer to her trembling cousin. Her nails dug into Marina's skin as she took hold of her arms and pulled her close enough for a hug. Marina trembled in her embrace, and it only grew worse as Francie ran her nails through her cousin's pure white hair. Hello, Martina, she said softly. Her words sent an uncomfortable shiver down Marina's spine, and she tried to pull away. Francie held on tight with one arm and dug her sharp nails into her scalp. You need to relax, cousin. Aren't you happy to see me? How long has it been? Marina didn't answer her, but she didn't need to. They both remembered the last time they'd seen each other. It was you, Marina said suddenly. She pushed out of Francie's grasp as her cousin laughed in her face. Yes, I stole your precious book, Francie said as she rolled her eyes. There was no point in keeping those records, Martina. Think about it. If the book hadn't existed, we wouldn't be here now. The realization was slow to dawn over Marina's face, but Francie was eternally patient. It was worth the wait. Her cousin understood now. Finally. What have you done? She gasped. Francie narrowed her eyes. I did what any of us would have. I just thought of it first. Marina was shaking her head. I would never. I've known about it for ages, and I never did anything with the knowledge. Because you don't have the power to wield it, Francie scoffed. Neither do you, Marina countered. You may be convinced you have it under control, but you do not. There isn't a single one of us that can wield it alone. Francie laughed bitterly. I thought you of all people would understand. You've seen the book. You've seen what the ancients were capable of. Marina shook her head violently. Death and destruction. That's all they were capable of. Not true, Francie countered again. There is more than one branch of ancient magic. There is balance to everything. You know how that turned out, Marina said softly. You know which branch grew too powerful and overshadowed the other. You know how impossible it is to attain balance between them all. Francie pressed her lips together and nodded briefly. She motioned for Marina to join her on the plush velvet couches by the fire. Come join me by the fire, she said. We've gotten off to a bad start. I don't want to fight. I want to work together. Marina sat on the opposite couch and watched her cousin suspiciously. Manto, who had been silent until now, was hovering near the open doorway. Francie waved a hand at him. Close the door and join us, Manto. We have a lot to discuss, and I feel our time is waning. The door ground noisily closed, and Manto sat beside Morena on her sofa. She shifted away from him slightly. It made her nervous that he seemed to know her cousin. She realized then that she couldn't remember how they'd arrived at the door in the hallway. Manto reached over and patted her leg. He grinned at her and tossed his bright red hair out of his eyes. It's okay, Morena. Just relax. He squeezed her leg and then withdrew his hand. 
Her thigh burned where his hand had touched, and it grew more painful as she sat there. Francie leaned forward and pressed her fingertips together. She took a deep breath and regarded her cringing cousin. This was going to be too easy. She'd expected more of a fight. Listen, Mar, she said gently. We've all made choices in the past that we're not proud of. She paused to stare meaningfully at Morena until her cousin looked away. Now, the present is what we need to focus on. We are where we are, and we need to work together if we're going to get through this. We need each other to survive. Manto nodded and grinned at Morena. Just hear her out. If you don't want to join us, I'll bring you back to the surface, okay? No pressure. Just listen. Who are you? Morena could not understand what Manto had to do with any of this. How are you even involved? What even is this? She threw up her hands in exasperation, but Manto laughed. Francie rolled her eyes and sighed before she spoke again. It seems that secret twins run in the family, Francie said as she leaned back on the soft cushions. You're not so special after all. Morena stared at Francie. She knew her mouth was slightly open, but she couldn't move to close it. She was completely frozen. The truth of her past was so humiliating, and she had been running from it her whole life. Her safe little cottage on the cliffs had dulled the painful truth, and she had almost forgotten. She had almost escaped the memories. It all came crashing down on her now. She turned her gaze to Manto, who was still grinning. He shrugged. Sorry, he said. She could see it, his resemblance to the maniac that had fathered them all. She pressed herself back into the corner of the plush sofa, trying to get as far away from him as she could. The place on her legs still burned, and the pain was growing worse. Manto is my brother, Francie said finally. Her cool, even voice broke the tension in the room a little bit, and Morena could move again. Maz took him right after we were born and brought him to a family in the South. Sound familiar? Morena felt sick. Francie grinned at her cousin's horrified expression. Morena's memories came rushing back and crashed over her all at once. She leaned over and vomited violently on the rough stone floor. Francie grimaced at the mess while Manto jumped off the sofa with a cry of disgust. Morena lay back against the plush sofa again. Her mind was filled with the horrors of her childhood, the curse laid upon her by her mother and the other siblings. She cast her gaze to Manto's stricken expression. Was your family good to you? She asked finally. Manto paused and then sat back down beside her. No, he said softly. They weren't. Morena nodded. Okay, she said as she sat up and looked Francie in the eye. I'll listen. And that's it for chapter 20. The story is coming right along, and I love this weekly writing challenge. I just really like telling stories. I think that's what it is. <laughs> Speaking of stories, please remember that Storytime with M is returning this Sunday. I will be sharing one of my older books, a YA fantasy tale called The Last Witch. And I remember that this one has some vague references to the game Candyland in it that I remember being particularly happy with. But it's not all sugary sweet. I remember that much. That's the thing about writing, at least for me, and honestly, I would love to hear from any other writers about this, because I don't think I can be the only one. But anyway, when I write a book, 
I absolutely live it and breathe it until it's finished. But then once it's done and it's out in the world, I kind of forget about it. I don't think forget is really the right word, but I just kind of, like, it doesn't all stick with me. I remember bits and pieces, but I kind of just move on to the next thing. I don't know. I also always manage to convince myself that the book is actually terrible, but usually then when I reread the older books, I still really like them. So I guess if nothing else, it is a snapshot of a moment in my writing, and I can see where I've come from and how I have improved since then. That's how I choose to look at it anyway. (laughs) So yeah, any other authors out there, do you forget about your books as you move on, or is it just one of my memory issues? (laughs) So yeah, Storytime with M is returning for season three. The Last Witch was also originally going to be the first of a series, so who knows? Maybe I'll continue it once I finish up my Verdant Valley series. Anything's possible. (laughs) You can find all of my writing at frappmedia.com, because my husband and I have a media company now. I am just loving this crazy creative life that I've got going on right now. I have books, short stories, and comedic plays that are suitable for high school and community theater. So I've got a little something for everyone, I think. You can also go to booksandcatspod.com for all things books and cats related. (laughs) I hope you have a beautiful week, book lovers. Take care of yourselves, and thank you so much for listening. Until next time, keep reading.